Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode here with us, Mana Ministry. We are doing a series on mental health called Truth Prescriptions, looking at the truth prescriptions in God's word that he has for us and all of our mental health needs. My name is Dr. Katie Elson. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, and joining me is... Chriselle Lassadan, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. Yes, and together we have been talking about many different mental health topics. Now, this is the 18th episode, and it's actually a part two, which we'll get to in a little bit. Before, we always just want to remind you of our disclaimer um, that the intent of this series is not to be a substitute for mental health treatment, but instead to have a spiritual guidance of how we can have those mental health needs through the guidance of God, the Bible, and ultimately the truth. Um, now, if you're in a crisis, Chriselle, what's what should our listeners or viewers do? So if you are in a crisis or if you may have an emergency, we do encourage you to call your doctor or 911 immediately. In the event that you may be having suicidal thoughts, you can call the suicidal hotline at 1-800-273-TALK to talk to a skilled trained counselor. And if you're located outside of the United States, please call your local emergency line immediately. Yes. And Chriselle, we have a lot to cover today, and that's why we have to do a part two, because the topic of emotions and what we do with emotions is very important. So we're going to jump right into our topic. We're going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump right into part two of Roller Coaster of Emotions. Chriselle, would you pray for us, please? Yes, let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear God in heaven, Lord, we ask right now specifically for your presence, We ask, Lord, that you send your spirit to allow us to embrace, Lord, the way that you designed us to be. Help us to acknowledge, Lord, that you designed us in a way to learn not only about ourselves, but more about you. Lead us in all truth. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Before we jump right into the the cycle of emotions, um, just a quick review of what we covered in last episode. We're not going to go into it a lot because, of course, we want you to watch it. Um, But Grisal, any key main points from last episode? Yes, I think the one point that is very important to carry from the last episode into this episode is recognizing that emotions are to be embraced. And by embrace, we mean everything that we feel is to be acknowledged and to attempt to gather some sort of understanding. And so the way that we can go about doing that is we highlighted two points, right? What do emotions communicate to us and what can they motivate us to do oftentimes emotions can be scary and so we like to shut them down ignore them but today we're going to talk a little bit about the consequences of that and the other side of that which is acceptance acknowledgement and the continual we'll see very soon yes that was an excellent summary Chriselle. Um, just i wanted to share a couple of comments that i've received from some of our viewers Um, they were so surprised to hear that emotions are always good. That's something that they hadn't heard before. And one of the things that I appreciate about the episode is actually dispelling those myths and even looking at where they came from, right? The culture that we grew up in, the family and and so forth. And so some of our viewers were just like, wow. And I really appreciate the very personal comments we receive of individuals sharing, you know, how that's been liberating for them. Even in just the past week, I had somebody who said, you know, I felt a certain emotion that I typically would just suppress or kind of just shoo away. And 
I allowed myself to sit with it and I actually listened to it and it gave me so much liberty to recognize that the deep was so the emotion for this person was sadness. But like I realized it was good. I was basically um, grieving the loss of something that's important to me. And so for me, it's just so encouraging to hear of how the way that we view emotions and these types of episodes talking about emotions can give us liberty and freedom and just improve our overall quality of life as a result of it. Mm, that's awesome. So Christelle, let's jump right into this cycle of emotion. So give us a, a just an overview of what we're really looking at. And then I know that we're going to go into a lot of depth of each different step of the, of the cycle. Okay. So first and foremost, what we notice is that there are two lines, right? We have a dashed line and we have a solid line. So if you notice a dashed line, that um, symbolically represents what is the ineffective or less effective management of emotions. Whereas a solid line is the effective management. That's the line that we want to be on. There could be times where individuals tend to be on one particular line in regards to a certain relationship or friendship, whereas in other environments, they may be on the solid line or they may have a mixture of both. But we're here to say that it's important to attempt to strive because <laughs> we're not perfect. Attempt to strive to be on the solid line. And so every time that there is an experience that we go through, going back to that triangle, right? We have what three components can be a part of that triangle? Yes, we have our thoughts, our feelings, and behaviors. Exactly. So we've talked about the thoughts and behaviors. So now we're honing in onto the emotional experience. So let's imagine you're having some sort of trigger. You have thoughts regarding that. You have behaviors. And so now we're honing into how do you manage the emotional side of this triangle? That's what the cycle of emotion is all about. So let's go ahead and begin. Yes. And so one thing I'll just um, comment on is how important it is as for the viewers to reflect, do a personal assessment as we describe these different steps. Am I denying my emotions? Am I reacting? Am I realizing I'm the dashed line here? Or am I doing the solid line, do a personal assessment, and then also start making those changes as a result of what we're going to go through. So let's start with the first two steps, Chriselle. So the first two steps, we have denial, which is on the dash line, and then we have reaction that comes after that, whereas on the solid line, we have recognition. So when we have an experience, a trigger, an activating event, as some may say, an emotion, is present. The question is, do you deny the emotion, then react, or do you recognize that then leads into acceptance? So there is a choice there. I know that some of my patients have said, I don't have a choice. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't want to feel the emotion. So I just say, I'm going to be okay. And I'm like, is that really acceptance and recognition? Or is that more denial and reaction? So what would be the response to that, Katie? of what, which one it is. Uh-huh. Well, I would say for them, you know, maybe they're not thinking it's a choice because it's been so automatic over the many years, but they are denying and reacting. Yes. And so part of recognition and acceptance is not just acknowledging what the emotion is, but embracing that emotion. So the, the experience of the person that you mentioned, Katie, the viewer, right? 
they acknowledged they had sadness, but then they wanted to push it away. So is that really uh, recognition and acceptance? No, that's denial and reaction. But then, thank God through our episode, uh, they were able to do the other side, the solid line. Yes, and I love this point you see here on the slide that denying an emotion does not make them cease to exist. It doesn't make it go away. And I, I want to emphasize that because a lot of people, they, they think that and it's unpleasant. And so I don't want to deal with it. So I push it down. Now, again, it doesn't mean that it ceases to exist. And we'll talk about what actually happens later. But it's important to start there. If I'm telling myself that it's getting rid of the emotion, then you're going to keep on doing it because I don't want it. So I get rid of it. But then you realize over time and we can talk about, I don't know if you want to talk about that now or later, Chriselle, but what are ways in which people deny or react, push that down practically? Uh, I think we can talk about that briefly right now. Um, I think some forms of denial is convincing yourself that you don't feel what you feel. Or even denial can be in forms of um, engaging in particular behaviors to have some sort of avoidance mechanism to not be paying attention to that emotion. I know that I have had patients and even at times for myself, I may eat particular food to have a moment of pleasure to off balance another emotion that I at that moment am not wanting to accept. <laughs> yes. So you can utilize food and have a form of denial in that way. Um, and as also a sort of reaction as well. Now, Chriselle, what would be the difference between denial and suppression? Because we see that the third step is suppression, which I know we'll get to in a little bit, but maybe someone's a little confused about, you know, what's the difference denying versus suppressing my emotion? So denial is in the moment that you begin to become aware of the emotion. So if I all of a sudden bring in um, this Bible, right? And I want to deny that doesn't exist in that moment. I'm rejecting it. Okay. Whereas suppression is recognizing that the Bible's there, but I'm allowing time to go by and pretending. And sometimes I, it, I don't even want to say pretending because it makes it almost like it. I don't want to guilt shame someone. Right. But sometimes we even, we're so good at convincing and fooling ourselves that the Bible is no longer there, but clearly it is. Mm. Yeah. So suppression usually is a more of a long-term whereas denial is a short-term. Okay. One thing um, that I would add to that is the way that I understand it is denial is a little bit more automatic and unconscious where I'm not even being aware of it in the first place. Maybe it's like I'm overworking or <clears throat> my routine of life doesn't even allow me to listen to my emotions in the first place. Later on, when I am aware of the emotion, then I'm being intentional about suppressing. Suppressing it. Mm. And we'll talk more yeah. about suppression when people are intentional. So I think there would be a difference of not being aware at all versus later on when we talk about suppression of using Netflix or substances or other things to push it down. Now, I love this quote um, by Dr. Viktor Frankl, the psychiatrist that survived the concentration camps. And he says, but there was no need to be ashamed of tears for tears bore witness that a man had the greatest of courage courage to suffer. So there's a, a reframe, there's a different perspective of emotions here, right? And when we have this positive view of emotions, that's going to lead to acceptance. So in this case, he was saying how sadness for these individuals, these prisoners um, in these concentration camps, that these 
tears were not something to be ashamed of. Instead, it was to recognize it was a symbol of the greatest courage, the courage to suffer. Mm, I love that. So, Chriselle. That. That, that, yeah, that leads into embrace. Part of acceptance is, um, and not just acceptance, but you also said just recognizing. So we're kind of flipping here. So instead of denying and then reacting, we have, what are the, the other two steps? Recognition and acceptance. Yes. And so a part of that would be labeling our emotions. Yes. And so you'd be shocked how many of us may not even be able to label our emotions, or sometimes we may be labeling them incorrectly. And I say that because upon discovering what the emotion is, having some sort of expression clarification, which is the rest of the cycle, all of a sudden gain, there's a gain perspective of what that experience really was and what the emotion really was behind that experience. So it's very important for us to be able to take time to, I don't want to say educate ourselves, but to give ourselves knowledge of what are emotions, how we experience them. And someone may be asking, well, how do you even learn? Like, isn't that something that's innate? Aren't you like born knowing what sadness is or, and it's not true. I have a two-year-old and she's now understanding that usually when she sees individuals in her books that have their face down and their eyes closed and their face like this, she says, they're sad. And it's because she's learned to identify that as sadness, but not, yes, but she's being taught, but not everyone is taught about what emotions are. Yes. And so basically part of therapy or part of seminars or presentations or YouTube episodes are to help you to learn, right? The same way we go to school to learn about history, English, um, Often we don't get taught in our homes or in our earlier childhood, so we need to learn. And so here's a description. It's not comprehensive, but that we can see some primary emotions and different um, labels that we can start using in order to label our emotions. And you notice that emotions differ on intensity. You could be upset versus enraged. You could be sad versus um, completely hopeless. So try to use a word that describes the intensity of your emotion. And that that word that describes the intensity is accurate and not catastrophizing or magnifying. Yes, very important. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, this is something that I really, I I find it fascinating. And I think it's, um, my clients love to talk about it as well. What are we looking at here, Priscilla? This is a heat map or heat maps, depending. (laughs) Um, There was research that was done in regards to trying to understand how our body elicits heat sensation when we experience particular emotions. And so if you notice there to the right side, we have zero, which is the darker color, which is nearly black, which is neutral, right? And then as you go below into the negatives, that's less sensitivity. And then as you go up to the yellow, it's higher sensitivity, maximum sensitivity. So more so heat. So yes, uh, absence of sensation, sensation, and intensity of heat. Mm -hmm. And so we'll notice here neutral, Uh, neutral is 
almost all black, right? Zero. And we can compare each of these emotions. We're not going to go through all of them, but just to highlight a couple. So um, why we're covering this is to help you all recognize how do I feel, right? How can I start listening to my body and how I feel that can then tell me, well, how, not just tell me, but to help me accept, to recognize and accept that emotion. So I like to start with depression. Crystal, what do we notice about depression? We notice that the extremities, your arms and your legs are with less heat. Yes. And that is so um, spot on because people often describe when they're feeling depressed that they feel numb or heavy or cold, especially in their extremities. Mm -hmm. That is so true. What do we notice so about true. anxiety? <laughs> anxiety, one of the biggest symptoms is chest pain or heart palpitations, which oftentimes individuals go to the ER thinking they're about to have a heart attack. And so you see there in their chest, yellow, bright yellow, which has the most heat being expelled in that part of the body. Yes. Um, another one I like to highlight is anger. We notice that, yes, some in the chest, and that's why some people can't even decipher or distinguish between anger and anxiety. But we also see it in our hands. That's why when we get angry, we're like, right? We have more muscle tension. We have more blood flow. Any comments about anger? No, I just wanted to say also things that you would, you don't really think about, but for example, shame, right? Usually individuals will feel heat on their face or even in their ears. And that's why they have that joke. Oh, if you're, oh, at least I've, I've heard it. If your ears are red, someone's talking about you, meaning you're, you're feeling shameful. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you see there it's yellow here in this area or surprise. When we recognize the facial expression of surprise in someone else, we see that typically it's because those eyebrows are lifted. There's this part of the forehead that changes there. You see in surprise yellow right mm -hmm. here and or disgust here in the mouth. Or more like the throat. And then one last thing that I'll highlight is happiness. When people describe feeling warm all over, is this idea of happiness has an equal distribution throughout the body, um, as well as in our chest area as well. We can feel that flutter. We can feel that warmth, um, and in our head as well. But I know that times like you know ticking. So let's continue. So that was deny and react. Um, or recognize and accept. And now what are the next steps for some? So really briefly, um, I would encourage everyone utilize that knowledge regarding the heat map. So if you're struggling with recognition and acceptance, use your body, take moments where you're away from distractions to be able to tune into your body and become more aware of how your body elicits emotion. Because if you're not able to do that, then you're going to fall into suppression, escalation, explosion, and dumping, which is the other part of the continuous part of the cycle of motion on the ineffective side. So suppression. So suppression, if I were to visualize that, I literally think it's like you, something's here and I'm pressing it and pressing it and pressing it, hoping it's going to disappear. But if I keep suppressing and then another emotional experience comes, another one comes, another one comes, another one comes, gets to the point where there's a like a volcano explosion, right? And that's why it says escalation comes now or later. So I, I don't know if Katie, you can speak of a case, but I've had cases where 10, 15, 20 years have passed when there was probably something significant in terms of a trauma 
that they didn't address their emotional experience. And then years later, they're having some sort of suppression symptoms. And then there's an explosion or dumping with panic attacks. And they're like, what's going on? I don't know what's happening to me. Yes. Now, it typically, there's kind of small scale, big scale, there are small scales where they're escalating, they don't recognize it. But definitely what you're talking about that big scale, I had a a veteran who for years and years and years, um, had emotions related to a certain trauma. And it wasn't until he was actually um, in a hospital setting and came across somebody who was there at the time of the trauma and just exploded. And that's actually what brought him to my office. Cause he's like, I was able to manage it all these years. I said, no, it was there. It was always there, but it's the suppression escalation and explosion. So what Katie would you say signifies to someone that they may be suppressing their emotions? Now, I think it's typically what we see um, in the next steps, the escalation and the explosion, Um, because suppression, we're so good at it that we often don't see until we see the aftermath, the effects of it. Now, you could probably also do a self-assessment. What are the things that I'm engaging in? Am I engaging in substance use, um, a lot of sexual activity, pornography use, um, Netflix, so shopping addictions, and so forth, a lot of addictions or escape behaviors. And then ask yourself, why am I doing that? So somebody may watch Netflix just to watch Netflix, and they turn it off. Others might be using it to escape. I don't want to think about that problem. I don't want to think about my trauma. So you could look at it either through the aftermath, or you can start asking yourself, what are the behaviors that I do? And is that because I'm using those behaviors to suppress my emotions? Okay. You know, I would even add, sometimes we may be suppressing in a very functioning way that it doesn't appear as though we are suppressing. I know that I have had patients in the past where um, they work a lot. And their work is justified because they're helping many individuals. It could be through ministry. And it's not to say that that is wrong in itself, but it comes to the point that they're overloading themselves and they're suppressing their own emotional experience, their own self-care, and they don't realize it's a way of escape or avoidance. Yeah. I'm glad that you highlighted that, Chriselle, because there are some more functional addictions um, but it's important to recognize if there's anything in excess, if there's anything that's causing distress, pay attention to it and address it. And you'll also notice that there are also somatic symptoms that can be forms of suppression as well. Like if you're noticing you have a lot of tension headaches, you're having a lot of gut issues. Now we're not doctors clearly, but I do know that there are a lot of patients that I've received as referrals from their medical providers because of having somatic symptoms and not understanding what's going on. The moment they begin addressing their emotions, most oftentimes what happens is all of those somatic symptoms begin to decrease and actually disappear. Yes. And so let's talk a little bit about dumping, right? The explosion leads to a dumping. What you're describing for cells um, a lot of times with the somatization is that our body needs to release and needs to dump. And so it's trying to release through the body. And I'll just give you the example of, um, I actually, this morning, I had a client who said that he was vomiting a lot this past week because of his anxiety. That's the explosion leading to the dumping. 
Now, that can also apply to dumping um, where people dump on their friends. So what do I mean by that? Um, are you talking about just going and screaming and yelling or all of a sudden you've been holding in emotions for a while? Like I know this happens a lot in marriage. If you follow this, this line in marriage, they do something wrong. You don't say anything, but you hold it in. And then a year goes by, two years, 10 years later, all of a sudden, you're just noticing that every time they, they may bother you for one small little thing, a whole bunch comes out and they're like, where did, this, where did all of this come from? It's because you've been suppressing it for so much time. You haven't been addressing how you feel. And then you just explode it and dump it. So that could be in marriage. That could be in a friendship, any relationship. Yes. And I like that example of couples. Um, but in general, for anyone, when they say, oh, you know, I just go from zero to hundred like this. It's not like this. It's because mm-hmm. it's suppression and escalating until that rage hits. It's like the, the cherry on top. It's the, you know, straw that broke the camel's back. And then another form of dumping is people often say, oh, what's really helpful for emotional expression is venting. And whether they come to our therapy offices, Priscilla, right? Or they come to you as a friend and they're like, oh, I just need to, oh, I feel so much better. That's dumping as well. And Priscilla, isn't venting helpful? Nope. And because usually, let me continue, right? Um, usually because venting is just a form of complaining that's justified. And what we notice about dumping is that it results in incomplete resolution. So some people come to therapy and they dump, they say, oh, I feel so much better. But then next week they have a similar problem. So there's not actual resolution. If our emotions are actually supposed to motivate us to do something, to take action, if I'm not, then I'm gonna have incomplete resolution. And I'm actually, they say work smarter, not harder. I'm working harder with my emotions by constantly going through them, the roller coaster of emotions, than just dealing with them as they come up. Mm-hmm. And you'll notice that once you hit the incomplete resolution, it's not like you magically jump now into the resolution. You go back up into that cycle and feel that whole yo-yo effect all over again. Yes. So then let's talk about the flip of that. So we just talked about suppress, escalate, then explode slash dump. But what about the healthy way of dealing with emotions? We already saw that we recognize and accept emotions, identify them, label them, accept them. Then what do we do next? So after you acknowledge how you feel, you accept that, there's the need to express it, right? Because it's energy within your body. Um, As we saw the opposite side of that suppression where your body will contain emotion. We want to have a release of this emotion, a release of this energy. So I particularly tell my patients, I don't know, Katie, what you say, but there are indirect and direct ways to express. Uh, There are some cases where it is not healthy nor safe to go directly to a particular person and express how you feel. I know I had a case where a mother, she was so outraged that her child had been sexually abused by a family member, and she was not able to approach the perpetrator because it would be too much of an emotional experience for her, almost re-traumatizing her. So what we did is that we did the empty chair technique. For those who don't know, you can utilize that in therapy. It's a technique just for you to have a moment of expression to a person there or an object that is the person or the thing. (laughs) Um, You can do that in therapy. If you are in therapy, you could ask a therapist to do that with you, or you can write letters. You don't even have to give it to the person. You can do daily diaries. 
Um, I think prayer, mm. prayer is such a wonderful way to have a form of expression. Now, indirect ways also can be through the form of music. I know for myself, I play the piano and I sing. And after I sing and play the piano, I do feel a sense of clarity, which is the next step. I feel like, okay, like I was able to release my emotion. Um, I don't know if anyone else could agree with that, but it's hard to identify with that experience if you don't necessarily do that. Um, what are other ways, Katie, I, that maybe I haven't already mentioned? Well, even just naturally, when you start feeling it, however your body wants to express it, there's Crying, no correct right? way um, of, of expressing it. Um, and so just giving yourself permission. Now, what I appreciate about this cycle is it doesn't end there. It's not just express and that's it. The next step is clarify. And I really appreciate this because this is kind of bringing in the cognitive component. Why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling? And that also comes back to like, what is it communicating to me? What is it motivating me to do? If I just cry every time I'm sad, but not clarify, then I don't know what to do with that emotion the next time, the next time, the next time. And so clarify, why am I feeling this way? Right? What is it communicating to me? And what is it motivating me to do? Mm -hmm. I think that's the, the place where a lot of growth occurs. And that leads then into the next step, choosing action where you can find connection with your environment, connection with your friends. And it's so important. We sometimes we don't realize that just the way that we manage our emotions can either alienate us from others or connect us, mm -hmm. even with God himself, right? A lot of times we have shame and we're not recognizing, but we find ourselves distancing ourselves from God versus having a form of clarity and understanding that we may need to repent. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and I like that, Crystal, because the example you provided before um, is forgiveness is often one of those actions that needs to take place. Mm -hmm. Because if that emotion is coming up and you're expressing it, and let's say you have anger towards someone, what do I do with that anger? A lot of people suppress it and it stays in their heart, right? And that creates resentment, which means to refeel over and over and over again. And some people say, I don't want to forgive because that means that um, I'm saying it's okay. I'm trying to punish that person for what they did to me. But if you think about it, that anger, that resentment is only damaging you. And so choosing action, you notice that it, it's basically like a wave. It comes up, it goes down instead of exploding and dumping. And then we have complete resolution. Mm -hmm. It's something we all strive for. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so then finally, before you hit the complete resolution is, well, then what does it mean to choose an action, right? Um, once you get clarity and understand what that emotion is communicating to you, maybe there's something that you can do in terms of changing a behavior, engaging in a particular behavior so that you can continue managing your triangle, going back to the triangle. Because remember, this cycle of emotion is not isolated. It is connected back into that triangle. And it helps that whole triangle function better. Um, okay, you're saying something here. Do you want to explain a little bit of what's on the slide? Yes. So, you know, be patient. Spend time with your emotions. This is kind of a summary of the things that we've talked about so far. Um, remember, they're not bad. Um, take time to reflect on your emotions. Bring them to consciousness. Pray through them. And I love number two. It says, ask for God's action. What would Jesus do? That's some, a phrase that. Kind of dated some people we don't really use that that often but what would jesus do 
Um, you can ask yourself, what would Jesus do with this emotion? I love that. What would he do with this emotion? Jesus was human. He didn't sin. And yet he had emotions. Now, Crystal, you wanted to share. We only have a couple minutes. So this is going to be brief. And maybe we can do um, a future episode on this. But Jesus and his emotion, we see in the Garden of Gethsemane that Jesus experienced very significant, strong, intense emotions. Do you want to kind of summarize a little bit about that and why that's relevant to our viewers? Yes, it's extremely relevant because the Bible specifically addresses how Jesus was experiencing not just emotion, but intense emotion. Let me read briefly just one verse here so you can see what I mean. I'm here in Luke chapter 22, verse 44. And so this is where Jesus is knelt down and he's praying to God, his father in heaven. And an angel appears to strengthen him. And in agony, he prays more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And so this great drops of blood is actually a medical condition that does not happen often, but it can happen is when someone is in an extreme sense of stress, emotional stress, their vessels in their forehead begin to drop blood because they pop. Mm. And, and Christelle, and, there's, a verse, <coughs> excuse me, there's a verse that says that he said, my my soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. Yes, until death. And soul there, the word is not like this separate entity. Soul means psyche. My mental health is exceedingly sorrowful until the point of death. It hurts so much. Mm. And so what I really appreciate about the Bible is that it doesn't expel emotion. It acknowledges that it's part of the human experience. Jesus, he also experienced emotions. The question is, what did he do with this emotion? That's the question. And I, what I really love in verse 42 is his prayer is, Father, if it is your will, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He's acknowledging that he has his own will, right? But at the same time, he wants to surrender himself to God and do God's will. Yes. And so we see actions that we can learn is to pray, right? Bring those emotions to God. We can see to be honest about our emotions. Jesus was like, God, like take this cuff from me. Like this is too much. Be honest. And then the result is verse 43. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. Strengthening him. And so do what Jesus does. Be honest with your emotions. Sit with your emotions. Don't ignore them. Bring them to God. And God will strengthen you. And we put here a step three also consult the Bible, not just in this story, but there are many, many stories, excellent examples of individuals struggling with their emotions and how God doesn't ignore those emotions. He says, remember that from our last episode, he was able to be slow to anger or he who controls his spirit is better than the mighty than the one who conquers a city. So if you learn how to manage your emotions, you will be better than the mighty. Amen. Amen. And God will strengthen you. Yes. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll go over our truth prescription for this next week or so. Let's pray. Dearly Father God, we thank you so much for how much liberty you give us through your truth. The liberty to feel our emotions, to express our emotions, and to bring our emotions to you. 
so many of us have been taught that emotions are bad. Lord, you've given us emotions to navigate this world, to feel and to both the sadness, the anger, all of it, God. But may we bring those emotions to you as Jesus brought them to you and found strength in you, God. I pray that if there's any viewer listening, watching God and struggling with their emotions, that they may be strengthened even at this very moment by an angel from heaven. So please draw close to them and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Christelle. Okay. So this is actually the same one from last episode, but we want to encourage them. What's their truth prescription for the next two weeks? So for the next two weeks, as we mentioned last week, begin identifying your emotions and labeling them because if you can't do that, you're not going to be going into the effective management of this emotion of cycle of emotion. Um, ask yourself, what is this emotion communicating? What is it motivating me to do, which is part of the clarification? And then thirdly, utilize the emotion cycle or the cycle of emotion to ensure that you are expressing and not suppressing your emotions. All right. We will see you all in two weeks. And of course, Chriselle, you know, that we shouldn't forget to know the truth. Why? Because the truth will set us free. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.